Welcome to Misha Sides and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama union cast. Yes, remember that uh, thing that was brought up last episode of Riverdale where they were like, we were talking about some union stuff. Apparently they do want to kind of like broach it. Yeah, they were like laying the seeds for more the, seeds to be laid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, this episode is too many things where like, this is the soul of the town. This is the soul of the town. This is the like. It, yeah, they it, will. It, it makes it hard to tell what are we actually worried about because apparently Pop's moving to the El Royale, just lives there now, and Percival doesn't seem to care. He'll like go to it. Yeah, he will. So I mean, Pop's is not the soul of the town. Pop's is the location of the resistance and the place where the showdown between good and evil, the battle for the town's soul, will happen. But they they did also call it the soul of the town. Yes, it this is town has many, because it is the soul of the town. This town has many souls. Many souls in different places. One is can, Pop Tates, one is Archie, one we'll find out this episode, and it's is, insane. Yeah, um, and you can lose a couple souls, I think. I think it's like a kidney. Like, yeah. You, you're fine with a couple souls gone. I mean, you only need one kidney. Yeah, you only Ergo, need, you only need one soul. You need one soul. It's fine. It's I mean, I fine. think that's logical. It's yeah, I think it makes as much sense as anything else we're showing this episode. This episode is lazy. Yeah, they're really like we get payoffs for things that weren't set up, and they really like like just kind of smatter a bunch of stuff all over the place, and then mm-hmm. they pick up the own, the same chickpeas that they dropped, but like yeah. the chickpeas they dropped earlier this season people, are still on the ground. People will react to things as if other things happened, but they didn't happen. It almost yeah. feels like we missed an episode, not in like storylines. Every storyline is going fine, but like some of the character stuff feels like there should have been an episode that just didn't they happen. Get them to that place. Yeah. They're also going to ask us to like, forgive and accept a lot of things that I'm not interested in forgiving or accepting. Yeah, it's a lazy episode that wants you to be lazier. Speaking of lazy and episodes and skipping episodes and lazier, yeah, there is no episode next week. Oh, yeah. Next week, uh, we're t- they're taking the week off for, I don't know, maybe some summer things going on and in then CW. There's an episode, and then they're taking another week off. I think? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, the uh, the the, the all I could see on um, Netflix was the that. 13th 13th and, and the, the 27th, 27th. Yeah. and that is so the 13th is not this Saturday or this Sunday it's next Sunday oh yeah you're right yeah so it'll be so we're gonna have two skips there um so we figure we'll do something, something else for at least one of those yeah uh the other one we might take off yeah we're not gonna tell you what or which ahead we want, of time because we want to be a surprise so you're just gonna have to watch our feeds and watch our socials yeah yeah we're doing this business now so we don't forget to do it at the end because mm-hmm. the episode gives me emotions yes but it's not the them. end it's the beginning of season six episode 16 blue collar So as many things do, this episode starts with Jughead monologuing. About, essentially, he's monologuing monologuing about the conflict between workers and employers. Yeah, so war is brewing once again in Riverdale. But as with everything, this 
is all proxy wars. It like I don't mind the idea that essentially what this war, this battle between good and evil, is essentially held through a whole bunch of proxies. But yeah, they, but like it's never treated like that. Anyway, this proxy war is between workers and those who would exploit them. So they're employers. Yeah, and instantly, instantly we get set up that uh, Percival Pickens and his rail road building thing is not just evil, cartoonishly evil, because like, so we're going to rent you all your equipment and that's going to get deducted from your pay. Uh, and and also, pay your pay is less than what we discussed due to fluctuations in the marketplace. And they'll later say it's longer hours and... No overtime. And like, duh, also <laughs> your unskilled laborers building a railway. What did you think was going to happen, guys? And so like, they'll they'll set up a lot of things where they're like, oh, but people need this work. They haven't worked in months. I'm like, they just worked for you last week. And... That wasn't super. You like it feels like there should have been a lot of construction jobs. I mean, the problem is that it's Archie who's the construction guy, and he does yeah. four different other things. It's true. If he would just focus, he could probably get them a lot of work in this town that needs rebuilding. Uh huh. Maybe they could build a new fire station. Now, of course, they once again, yes, I understand. The main problem is that Percival is also the mayor of the town. It's true, but um, <laughs> Kevin. I don't know if, like, this is a spoiler for life, but you can work construction jobs in towns other than the one you live in. Yeah. I bet there's construction jobs in Greendale that Archie could go bid on. Yeah. Maybe some in Seaside. Yeah, these places seem close enough that you could probably drive to them for, like, work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're driving an hour, and I mean, with the price of gas these days, but I don't know the price of gas in the States, and also, they didn't know when they made this episode, so. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Also, Riverdale takes place in 2027, so maybe the gas uh, situation has regulated itself by then. Yeah, the point is, like, it's weird and it's very simplified, but the point is this job sucks from the beginning, and because the people of Riverdale are repeatedly treated like children... They can't leave this job. No one will do anything about it. No, they'll just be sad. So, uh, Archie is at the diner, which we should clarify is now El Royale. But it's also Pops. It's also the diner. And sometimes the Pop Tate food truck will be in the El Royale because it's also the fire hall. Yeah. So vehicles can drive into it. Yeah. Uh, But they are sort of, uh, they being Archie and Cheryl and Tabitha are just summarizing everything that's going on. The ghost train is coming through. It's going to grant dominion to the souls of the living and the dead. In some way. Uh, also, Percival's very anti-union, which really upsets Archie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he is a he is definitely exploiting these workers. Um, I, I wanted to, he says the people haven't worked in worked in months. I just want to look into that for a second, because Kevin, who is on the t- crew, is a teacher and a sheriff's deputy. Yeah, Kevin has no reason to be on this construction crew, he, and in he, fact, they should be furious he's taking jobs away from people who need he's them. He's also alternating between being like, I'm on the side, with because Frank's there, and Frank's clearly like the manager. Yeah. And Kevin alternates between being on the crew and like in management. It seems like, I don't know if he's getting exploited. Like I, seem, I mean, he is mind controlled, apparently. Now, uh, Fangs, however... Joined up not because they needed money. They actually that actually didn't seem to be a problem because as soon as he got his big like bonus. signing bonus, oh, yeah. he just got a car. He didn't pay off debts. He didn't. No, 
no, so they were not in debt. Fangs literally just got a job so he could feel like he contributed to the household equally. So it feels like he needs higher stakes if he's going to be the one we look at as like, he is our example of a any character who's like, I can't not do this job. I need the money. He kind of said, maybe he kind of said that last time, but... Now, to be fair, like, in America, and Canada is different, Yeah, teachers are paid literally zero dollars. I mean, and these, it's hard to tell what these people got going on because of their school's weird. I don't know if it's still a private school also. Oh, I forgot it was a private school that was funded by the Blossoms and Veronica. Yeah, I'm unclear what it is now. Uh, but she, she is also the guidance counselor. So if any teacher at that school is making okay cash, yeah. it is Tony. Well, it's just they, they never set up how much money like money is such a huge issue in this show for a lot of the things they want to do and yet they never address it Archie can just buy a house and there are other characters uh Betty and Kevin who just like refuse to buy a house and there I'm sorry there's no way we talked about this before Kevin looked up payment <laughs> Betty is leading a task force no Betty is definitely making enough money Kevin is a teacher and a sheriff's deputy so I think Hopefully, if you're working as both a teacher and a sheriff's deputy and a construction worker, <laughs> you can buy a house, Especially right? in the worst town in <laughs> yeah, when, the States. When, when people use that, and I want to point out, this is definitely a, a I don't know if it's, I don't think straw man is the right word, but it's when people do like, well, just move to a, uh, just move to a smaller town, then you can buy a house, like, you know, picking up your roots and moving yeah. to another place isn't a whole other issue and you can't flood, whatever, uh. But this is the towns they're talking about. Yeah, they are 100% talking about Riverdale. <laughs> We're not looking at million-dollar houses in Riverdale. I mean, there's got to be some houses there that are worth, like, $30,000, right? Like, those houses you hear of. And, yes, they'd have to put work in working on it, but he's a construction worker. <laughs> and his house blew up and got fixed in, like, a week. That's the thing. They rebuilt Archie's house in 0.0 amount of time. They could definitely fix up a house for Betty. So Archie says that what he's going to do is that um, he's going to get these people to vote to unionize. And as what will constantly be brought up, these are union people. Like, when they were being hired by Archie, they asked, this is a union job, right? And he will he will get no pushback from any workers at any point on whether or not they should unionize. They okay. just... So these people are already card-holding members of the Construction Workers Union, whatever that is called. Yeah. Which I presume is different than the railway union. Yes. However, I don't know if the writers know that. And that's a loophole that actually does make sense. Well, I, I would say that I do believe those are different unions. And essentially what Percival's doing is he's hiring scabs. scabs. Like he's, but he's, he's he's hiring union scabs to do a different union's work. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like when you're on a film set and they have both the director's union and a uh, Mayatsi. Like. Yeah. But I don't think anyone's thinking about it to this level. <laughs> I do want to point out the best line of the episode, yeah. which is in this scene. So Tabitha says, of course, Percival is anti-union and it's not because he's the incarnation of anything bad ever. Mm. It's because he's all about control. Yeah. And then <laughs> Cheryl responds to this by going, and Tweed. Yeah. And yeah. I watched it four times. I just thought it was so funny. He's into Tweed. It's an insane thing for Cheryl to say. A different character definitely should have been in this scene. Well, no, I think for Cheryl, it's 
that's perfect. Like she's the only one who who's like, yeah, but he also wears bad clothing. <laughs> like, like everyone's like, he's evil. He's the incarnation evil. And she's like, yeah. And he also wears tweed. He's like, tacky. He's tacky. Like that's perfect it, for Cheryl. It's old Cheryl. It's, it's just not. Oh yeah. The problem is once again, it's old Cheryl. And I loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Riverdale. So yes, Archie's going to uh, agitate. He's going to cause a strike. But what he wants is from Cheryl because their families used to work together. You know when they genocided. Lieutenant. Which Cheryl is embarrassed of, thank you very much. Yeah, which, like, yeah, I mean, yes, you yes, should be clearly. embarrassed of it. <laughs> um, he wants a record. He wants damning evidence against him. And I'm like, like the whole... I mean, I guess like, Everyone no, knows about the genocide, guys. I guess, I guess we can go off of there's no, like, damning evidence. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Cheryl does have the evidence, because isn't that where... that's? Didn't she get the evidence from her mom, like... I may have here's, burned. Here's a, oh, that's true. Here's a letter that the, when our great grandfather hired Augustus yeah. uh, Pickens to solder the Uctana. Like, Maybe the, that's what he wants. That he wants that letter. But like, we don't need to know that the Blossoms did. We still know that Pickens slaughtered the Uctana. Well, and also like. I don't know what this would do. Like the like everyone knows Pickens is bad. It came <laughs> up when he tried to before he started mind controlling. So anyway, what what they're going to do is uh, Tabitha and Archie to kind of like help push things along is because the workers are paying for have to pay for their own coffee. They're just gonna go bring them free coffee. I it's so weird. They try so hard to get these people to vote to unionize when. It feels like that'd be the easiest for them to do because they know they're actually being exploited. And they know the benefits of a of, union. Of a union. Like, there's no... We never get anybody giving us a counter other than when they say, we asked Percival and he said no. Like, That's not okay. how any of this works. He, number one, he You can still he can't, do it. He can't. And number two, who cares? Has anyone seen Newsies? <laughs> Has anyone seen Superstore? If we're a union, we can be a union just by saying so. Yes. And the world will know. That's exactly how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Veronica spends, uh, is uh, talking to uh, Agent Drake and with Betty there. Agent Drake is now our living Wikipedia. She will know something <laughs> about everything. Yeah. So she asked. So. Tr- so. We're back on the idea that trauma is what triggered all these powers. So Veronica says, well, my father died. But like, girl, your your powers triggered long after your father died. I mean, you know what triggered her powers? Oh, and she was broken with Reggie and he said very logical and actual things to her? Yes. She had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. That was her trigger. Well, I broke up with an ex and he was very, and he, and he said things to me that were very real, but I refused to accept are actually things that are true about me. And I feel like it's his fault. <laughs> and then I took my father's picture off the wall. And now I have poison <laughs> powers. Now, Drake has figured out, oh, you're Veronica Lodge. It's funny to me that both Betty and Veronica become surprised that Drake knew Hiram when I thought he there's a time where he was like the most famous criminal in the world yeah. or some nonsense like he that. He was certainly taken down by some sort of federal bre- I can't say brewery. It. <laughs> yeah, the, a federal brewery a federal, took him down. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, Drake specifically knows him because of Lodge Rum, because she was in the ATF before she was in Magic FBI, and now works serial killers. And what? so, when she was in the ATF, she specifically was hunting down his mafia 
and his rum stuff. His jingle jangle. He was uh, trafficking jingle jangle through auspice of rum. And then, f- based on nothing, I guess just wanting to let Betty know a little bit more about herself, she's like, and then after that, I got really into absinthe. She was taken <laughs> off that case and put on the absinthe case. And then she just gives us a Wikipedia article about absinthe. And I, I was sitting there like, why... What does this have to do with anything? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, as as Veronica says, I thought absence is legal. He's like, well, a watered-down version of absence is legal, but there's people around there who want the pure version of... really think there's a high market for, like, wormwood-heavy absinthe? I mean... Like, do you think there, Maybe. I think there's a black market for everything? That's a dumb question. But I don't. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That seemed weird. But I'm like, whatever. Sure. I guess somebody actually does want the um, oh, uh, what's it called? Because it's wormwood, but a specific thing in wormwood, a specific toxin. It's like, thu Jones or something like that. Well, we can't dwell on that anyway. because it turns out that Drake is a better doctor than. The coroner. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's because Drake is willing to accept magical things are happening so that her body can act in weird ways. Yeah, so she, Veronica, while emitting, emitting so many toxins... She's actually perfectly healthy. Yeah, she's, like, basically a superhuman. Yeah, well, because she can... Apparently, she can filter all toxins. Like, her yeah. body... She's on a permanent cleanse. So, uh, she's like a living dialysis machine. Get it? Hey, uh, hey. Hey. Biodialysis. Yeah. Now, uh, Betty gets a quick call from her mom, which she picks up, which I think was the most insane thing to happen, is her actually picking up a phone call from her mom. Betty, your mom is bad, and nothing that happens this episode... Changes that. Changes that. She has done unforgivable things to you. It's like, sh- it, it's like she's just going to ignore the huge blow-up they had last time. We still don't know where those kids are. The problem is... They know that Percival can mind control, so Betty can, like, can have cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Anytime her mom does something she doesn't like, she can be like, well, that was mind control, Alice. Well, so she got a call, and then she gets home, and she hears that there's someone upstairs. She's in her room. So she pulls a gun, she kicks open the door, and I didn't figure this out until later, though it makes the most sense. Uh, she finds Charles. He's hooked up to some nebulous medical machines. <laughs> he's, he's in a medical problem. There's mach- medical machines doing medical things to him. But we won't find out what those medical things no. are, because first, Moose has to cast some shade at all of Kevin's choices. Yeah, which gets weirder the further we go into this episode, but uh, I think Kevin's staying in the Babylonium. Yeah, and Moose... Doesn't think that's great. <laughs> well, we said this earlier. Kevin, I think you could. He's like, oh, I had to move out of my dad's house. I'm like, Kevin, I bet you can buy a house. Yeah, yeah. Or like you were you were living with Fangs for a long time. So you did pay. You have rental history. Now, now to be fair, I, what it really comes down to is, hey, I got a free. I can stay for free in, a, in this in casino. In this beautiful place. Though it is weird when he's like, oh, well, the, the court needs to see that I have a permanent residence. And I'm like, yeah, permanent residence in a casino, like Champagne Suite. <laughs> that's going to be I don't you. think that's going to work as well for you as Percival's as convincing you it is. The man who abandoned the child before it was born and now you <laughs> live in a casino. Yikers. Yeah. 
So we yeah. get to Kevin and Moose time. Moose will cash in on that. He also is not a huge fan of Kevin's insane quest to get sole custody of this baby. Yeah, and it feels like Kevin doesn't ever tell him, like, hey, I tried to go for joint custody and Fang shut it down. In fact, I don't know if that will ever be broached again. It seems like we've moved past Despite it. Despite that being a very important thing that happened was Kevin being like, hey, joint custody, and Fang's being like, you go to hell. Well, yeah, because... Mm. Yeah. So uh, we head back to uh, Betty and Alice, and we learn that Charles is dying from Sepsis something. Sepsis or leukemia. Not the same. Oh, my God. Nope. I coordinate the blood course at the med school. Nope. These doc- Apparently, these doctors are like, I don't know, some stuff with this blood. Bad doctors. Some blood and nonsense. unfortunately, the prison infirmary is just so full that they had to send him home to Alice to die. I we I don't have time to go into whether or not that is a a thing that can happen. Like I I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Alice follows this up by saying to Betty, "Could we just call a truce for his for Charles's Alice, sake?" You were the one who did the most hardest attack. Like, now, now don't get me wrong. Betty did steal children and put them somewhere. <laughs> it is unknowable where they are. But it's. It's so hard to care about that when we don't know what happened to them. And when Alice has years and years of psychological and emotional abuse. And Betty did nothing. And, you know, people have been, like, throwing around the term gaslighting lately. Yeah. Just, you mean, like, lying? People be like, oh, he gaslit me. And I'm like, no, he just lied to you. Yeah, no, Alice is full-on gaslighting. Has gaslit Betty numerous times for over a decade. And also, she is now trying to convince Betty to forget all of Alice's wrongdoings for a serial killer brother who she... Now, to be fair, Betty did have a long relationship with Charles, lots of mentorship. Well... This is not a brother who grew up with them. Well, I mean, okay. So, one of the things I want to bring up. One, Alice has my least favorite saying, which is, no matter what he did, he's still your family. And I got to say this, Aaron... If you turned out to be, like, a serial killer who killed yeah. a lot of people, I probably would never talk to you again. Like, yeah, ju- just because someone is family doesn't mean you have to give them anything when they are like that. Like, I, it is a constant thing we get in media is the idea was like, but if they're family. You have to forgive you them. You have to forgive them. Like, no, no, you don't. You absolutely don't. Um. And then <laughs> something I was thinking about, like, they both only really knew Charles for, like, a year before he was revealed to be a serial killer. Now, I do see how Betty could have complex feelings about Charles. Yeah. But I would rather see her articulate those than Alice tell her, well, he's family. And, like, Alice, I get, because Alice has also, I think, been visiting him in jail for, like, seven years. Oh, that's how he knew how to break out, and she got ordained so she could marry him and Chick. Yeah. Um, See, that's also unforgivable, Alice. It's, 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 it is insane that I like Charles more than Alice. Now, because Charles is literally a serial killer. And I guess I should say I like him more from Betty's perspective. I can understand like, why how Betty could forgive him more than I understand how she can forgive Alice. Because, like, Charles was never going to kill Betty. He actually... He was going to make Juniper... 
kill Glenn. Yeah, like, I'm not going to ever forgive anything Charles has done. But, like, Alice did a lot more to Betty. She sure did, my friend. She sure did. <laughs> All right. So, uh, off in Sketch Alley, because oh apparently that's where they're building the train tracks. <laughs> so, Archie and Tabitha are handing out the coffee and being like, man, your working conditions sure suck, huh? Yeah. And then up storms Frank, who goes handing out coffee is against company policy. Hey, you can't do this. Like, well, you can't stop them either. They're just giving coffee they, to people. They, they don't work for you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't. I mean, they, I guess he's probably a manager, but you can't have this. Is like, you can't have coffee. That's not our. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, to further. Twist the knife. They're. I I I don't care about anything they're doing because there's no reason for these people not to do the union vote that they have given us. So um, they're going to give them 25 cent burgers. Yeah, they're giving them union burgers. It is the price of a burger in 1949, which is when the union Union came to Riverdale. We Uh, we learn later that union is the for miners. So again, writers. I hope you know these lo- are all different unions. Yeah, it. I mean, that was you can just change and say that's when the first union was formed in Riverdale. <laughs> Instead, they say it's when the union came to, rolled into town. They're also gonna have an open mic, and I was really worried we were gonna see a song. But they, but we never see it. We did, there's no payoff. That that feels like a cutscene to me, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like Veronica probably performed at the union thing. Yeah, probably doing some like Bruce Springsteen or something. Something. Or some like 1940s song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's just Umbrella by Rihanna. <laughs> now, now we're going to a scene that instantly makes everything in this show less interesting. I gave this show a lot of leeway and like kudos last episode for like how they were doing some of the uh, mind, the stuff. mind and the magic stuff. Now, Percival's just doing the. Mind looking in mind palace thing. Yeah. So Percival, you know, Reggie revealed that he is yeah. missing something. So per- Percival goes into his mind. Yeah. And it looks just like when Jughead was in his mind. Yeah. And he finds the comic book and he sees the ripped out page. And it just and it's infuriating. Well, because Find a different metaphor. Yeah. Like I, I guess, I guess you could. Now, number one, I hate that he can do this because. That's he not has his a, power. Yeah, he has a different power set. Like his, even if his his thing is magic, it shouldn't be manifesting in the same. Because Jughead's thing isn't witchcraft or sorcery. His it's an thing innate is power. He's a psychic power. Yours, like, wh- if I don't like, maybe he should have seen it as a curiosity shop, or maybe it should have just been he's actually casting a spell. But and it maybe he then could see Jughead doing it because he sees an echo of what took place. Yeah, and I understand, like, shorthand, it makes it clear what's happening. You don't have to have him explain it. But at but the end, he does, then explain, he does it. explain it. He goes, oh, actually, uh, Jughead did steal a memory from him, which means if we saw him walk through, like, in a, like, a curiosity shop and, like, you see, like, a painting, like, not a painting on the wall, but you know how yeah. when you remove a painting, it leaves, like, a, a mark? Yeah, like a... It's everything else is faded and it's a brighter color. Yeah, or like and then whatever. he comes back. He's like, "Oh, he did." I'd be like, "Oh, so he was seeing it as a curiosity shop because we already had Jughead explain you have to create a kind of mind palace." Yeah. Thing. Also, this isn't how he does this. He he uses persuasion power to make Betty forget. He just tells people to forget. Now he now he does everything. 
that's the thing. He's no, like, I don't think he has mind control powers anymore. He just was always magical. Like, <sighs> Joe, trust your audience. <laughs> We're smart. Well, the problem is that in this episode, it feels like he doesn't have mind control anymore. Because he, he just, doesn't try to mind control anyone. He's just a sorcerer, which is fine if he was introduced as a sorcerer, but he's not. He was introduced as just like all of them. You have one power, like an X-Men. And the, pro- the thing is that he had very specific things he wanted to do with that power. But now he just has every power. Speaking of every power and <laughs> maybe the dumbest... There are some dumb powers on the show. Yeah. This might be the dumbest power. Re- no, because it's not a power. So Reggie is like... I want to learn magic. Teach me magic. And Bristol goes, I will. Then he shows Reggie a ventriloquist dummy that we will never see again. And he claims it is a totem that will help you learn the first I the first power of distraction or something like that. You're gonna just you we're gonna go we're we're gonna go to per Jughead show and you're gonna distract him by throwing your voice. And then I will open the psychic floodgates. So this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Percival says that Jughead needs to be distracted. Yeah. Is he not distracted enough when he's using his mental powers to specifically listen to one person during his act? Aaron, the answer to your question is, yes, he is. Also, <laughs> why does Reggie have to throw his voice? Jughead is blindfolded. Do, do we want to just cut to 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 that? It's It's a little bit in, but when they actually get to the show, Reggie... Throws his voice, but he's still Reggie, which means... His voice sounds the same. And Jughead's like, is that Reggie? Like, and then later, later, when he does it again, he doesn't even throw his voice again. Jughead just is distracted. Reggie learning ventriloquism is pointless and just a distraction for Reggie, so he'll shut up. I will say, in this episode specifically, I think the show has forgotten that Jughead cannot hear. Archie uh, and Fangs, who Fangs is kind of who we'll get as the uh, the worker guy, though once again, he doesn't have a strong enough stakes. And there is this other guy who's always with him named Carlos. Yeah. And maybe give me Carlos's story. Does he have like a bunch of kids to support? Yeah, yeah. Give us something. Like, don't just say, oh, these people need, need money because, I mean, they even don't even say they need, I don't know, it's weird. So, uh, Archie is talking to them, and there's like, oh, there's longer hours, there's lower pay, there's no overtime, but Percival will never go for unionizing. I'm like, who cares? It's not up to him. But in, not in their defense, but I guess as an assault on Archie's whole nonsense, Percival can control minds. So they could... They could ask to unionize, and he could convince them they don't want a union. Yeah, everything he is doing now is just for appearances. He he could just, he doesn't even need, he could just walk into people like, hey, you're going to build a railroad for me. Hey, you're going to build a railroad for, for me. For free. He, he, we have seen no limits on his mind control other than a tether. We have not seen that he can't mind control an audience. We have not seen that he can't mind control people for long periods of time. Because he did. He made the homeless people walk until they reached the Pacific he, Ocean. He can give open-ended things. He can say, build my railroad. And that person will have to build his railroad. Now, we. it does seem very clear that Percival is... As a, a psychopath? I don't know. Well, he the, likes to convince people to do things without his powers. That's what I mean by he's doing this for appearance. But you think that, like, 
if this really becomes a problem, he would just mind control all of them. So is Archie going to tell him all, oh, he has mind control powers. Here's how you do a tether. No, he's just going to tell him you, you got to unionize. You got to vote on unionizing. Which, like, works for, I guess, their theme of this episode of union and people who exploit them, which would work fine if it wasn't for the fact that Percival can control minds. You know, the problem is they've, with the magical (laughs) system they've developed, they have weighted this battle way too heavily on the villain side. And so then they have to, like, ignore things. Yeah, they don't make our heroes get clever ways to work around Percival. They just ignore Percival's main power, which doesn't even his main power anymore. But so many of these things are just like, he can control my, and I hate being the guy who constantly goes back to that one well, but he can control minds. But that's what they made their villain. That's what you made. That was he who was introduced. That was this big thing. That's how he got, that's how he got the homeless out. That's how he did all this stuff. That's why he's got Frank and he's got Alice and he's got this huge gang because he can control minds. And I mean, the thing with fantasy is that the villain is always way super powered. Yeah. The villain always has more power than the heroes. Which is why the heroes need to find ways around it. And they're not doing that. Yeah. They're, they're just getting plot armor. <laughs> Really what it should be is that there should be some people on the anti-union side that we're hearing that clearly are just like mind controlled by Percival. And are just repeating his lines. Most of most of the I just need to know Percival's limits. Like, why can't he just stand in front of a crowd and be like, hey, all of you hate unions. Build my railway. Like, why can't he do that? Well, let's talk about another dumb plot. <laughs> Veronica, because she learned something new. Uh, decides, I'm going to pivot off rum. I didn't know she was still making rum. I thought that was Hermosa's business. No, Hermosa got nothing. Hermosa got the most screwed over in all of this. And Hermosa... Did all the work? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, what Veronica thinks is going to say, she's going to pivot to Absinthe. And she's going to say something that somebody who knows nothing about Absinthe would say... She's like, but what if I just make an absinthe that doesn't have any of the poison in it? And I'm like, so you mean absinthe? Yeah, the one that's currently on the market. Because when it doesn't have thujons in it, thujon-free absinthe is just absinthe with less than 10 parts per million thujon. What you're describing is you're just going to make absinthe. I guess then you don't have to, like, you could put more wormwood in it because you drain the toxins out of the wormwood. And it seems that she is somehow envisioning she can keep, like, the fun hallucinogenic Which it's not hallucinogenic. No, that is a real myth. Yep. It's just a little bit poisonous because of the thujons. And you have to drink, like, three bottles of it to get, like, the thujons to affect you now. And really, when, when absinthe was was um, made illegal, it wasn't absinthe that was made illegal. It was the wormwood and the thujon, yeah. thujons in it. Gotta, I hope I'm pronouncing that wrong because that will be hilarious. Uh, but I, I guess she just wants to be able to market then, this as, like, real absinthe, the, the, but it won't kill you. <laughs> but that's how absinthe is. Like, this, this is just her being like, hey, I have a pitch for you. I have a pitch for you. All right. Imagine, if you will, a large vehicle that can hold many people that are going to the same place. Uh, bus? No, no, no. There's something different. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not that. 
a van? Okay, what? If, how about this? I got a different idea. What if I could make a place and you give money to this place? You know, a lot of places you give money to, uh-huh. but but in this place, when you give them money, they give you like uncooked food and food supplies that you could bring home and cook at your house. So a grocery store. No, no, it's not that. It's something totally new. So a market. It's something totally new that's never been made before. Uh, because that's what Drake says. She's like, well, then you'd corner a new market. I'm like, no, she's just ex- describing making absinthe. I mean, she is definitely going to market it in a certain way. I can see from a marketing point of view how this is a thing. But, this- but she can't say, and all, of the, and all of the wormwood was filtered through me, a person who has magic powers. No, she'll have a special for treat, a special filtration method that cannot be replicated by any other business. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she can patent it. But the entire point is they want a little bit of Thujons, and she would have none of it. Yeah, then it's just okay, guys. Just so you know, because I think we have teenagers who listen. Yeah, alcohol just poisons you. <laughs> when you drink alcohol, you're just poisoning yourself a teeny tiny bit. And that's yeah. how you get drunk. Yeah, so if she takes all the toxins out of it, she's just making alcohol-free alcohol. Which, okay, sure. Maybe that's the market. But some people... Anyway, and then for some reason, Drake, who I have to remind you, is like an FBI agent. It was like, and also, I want in on this plan. What does Drake bring into this? What does she do? She provided the Wikipedia article. <laughs> and because I'm the one who told you about absinthe, I also want to get in on this. Why? Why? Who is Drake? Guys, it's going to take us so long to get through this episode. It is. So uh, Betty and, Ch- and Charles decide to have a cool and casual catch him up about his prison life. Yeah. So he and hasn't seen Chick since the escape. She literally asks it like, you ooh, like, what the F, Betty? And then we get into, like, what Betty's entire thing will be with Charles. And we'll go to this a few times, but she's like, hey, Charles, you afraid of dying and what comes after? And he's like, well, I think this is my punishment. And blah, But blah, I'm blah. at peace. I'm ready to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then, like, later she'll, like, talk to him more about his childhood. But mostly it's all about, like. Betty trying to figure out if she's bad. Well, and if this is like, like, oh, will I be like Charles? I'm like, Charles also had a completely different raising than you did. Yeah. It's well, debatable if it was good, it was better or worse because Alice, but. But. And Hal. Like, it weird, last episode was so much about, like, how Hal groomed me. And then this episode is all about, it's an innate thing about me. Like. It is wild the show will not make an argument with Betty. A, they are not arguing its nature. Yeah. They're not arguing its nurture. They're also not arguing it's both. No, they're just just arguing arguing it's Betty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any, like, there's no, there's no conversation going on. Speaking of conversation, Heather and Cheryl are looking through, there are too many books. This is too, this house burned down. Yeah, yep, yep, but they moved it all from Thistle House. Maybe in this world it didn't burn down. God, man, that's so hard to think about. So they have to put Charles Trang on holes and go through these letters, and they do find a letter that explains that there was, is, was, is a feud between the Pickens and Blossoms because at some point a Pickens ancestor Uh stole the Malleus Maleficarum from a Blossom ancestor. 
And then a voice in my head rose from the deepest recesses and started screaming, screaming with until throat tore. When did this happen? When did this happen? <laughs> well, we will find out it happened sometime after 1949. Yeah, because yeah, later they'll get a letter that, that that went between them in 1949 where they seemed at, were at least business partners. So, and I'm just <laughs> going to point out. <laughs> that's not far enough in the past. No, no ni- 1950 and then like in 1960, then I guess a Pickens person stole the Mal- Mal's Malvicarum. This also implies that the Blossoms had a magic book. Now, potentially they didn't know it was magical, but they definitely had it. They had the Necronomicon. And audience, just so you remember, this is canon. Yeah. All of the parents on the show were born in 1966. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. don't forget that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they want, so Heather specifically wants, she, we need to get this book back from this evil sorcerer. And of course, Percival will just have it somewhere they can easily steal. Not locked. If they can turn unseeable. God, just say invisible. So they constantly are like, we'll make you unseen. How could it be unseen? The only way I know of being unseen is a cloak. Well, if it's unseen, it's unseen. I'm like, just say invisible. Just say invisible, you weirdos. So apparently you can turn invisible as long as you hold your breath. I actually think this is really fun, like a really cool way of doing invisibility. It but it's, But I should point out, it's not from this show. It is from something else. I don't actually remember what it is, but the <laughs> you're invisible as long as you hold your breath is like, it's probably like a Greek mythology thing. Like I think it's probably I think it's probably like a Wiccan thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this scene will be weirdly interrupted by Veronica arriving to get a book about absinthe. <laughs> Distilling absinthe and want some wormwood. Just go somewhere. Go anywhere else. You have the internet. I like her being like, I want to make absinthe. I have no idea how to make absinthe. I just heard about absinthe. Um, Cheryl will also think this interrupted interruption is as dumb as we do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, we'll rush through a few things. We got another scene with Percival and Archie about the union. Uh, that's pretty much it. I don't yeah. Care. Percival wants Archie to join his team to keep him honest. Whatever. And he'll say that like nine times this episode. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to Tony and Fangs. We're meeting with a lawyer. Their lawyer. Their lawyer. And their lawyer is like, you have extensive rap sheets. You've been arrested many times for Mr. Beaners as juveniles. Um, Yes. But let us not forget, show, yeah. that for the past seven years, they've not been in a gang. Really, they have not been. So unless if Fangs was getting arrested as a trucker and Tony is getting arrested as a guidance, uh, guidance counselor. counselor. And we only saw them got ar- get arrested like two or three times from when we met them in grade 11 yeah. until grade 12. They were juveniles. So, now... They also bring us something that I was actually thinking earlier this episode, just like a thought popped in my head, which is a paternity test. Because I'm like, I guess you could bring that up as like a weird Hail Mary, because that'd be a 50-50 shot, essentially, of whether it strengthens. And if it's not Kevin's kid, he literally has no claim over this baby. Yeah, I mean, I when when she mentions this, Tony's like, well, whatever it comes out as, he'll use it against us. I'm like, if it comes out that Fangs is the father, Kevin is just... A dude who wants your child. <laughs> Truly. Now, I think a stronger thing to to bring up that like to in this fight because uh, I don't know how it would go. Yeah, is a surrogacy contract, but I don't think there is a surrogacy contract. I think they just because asked they were him. All gonna be a, f- a family a together. Um, 
they just ask Tony, hey, let's, let's spin up this sperm and see what happens. Now, you know, <laughs> if the show had known they were going to go this way, which they absolutely didn't because no. they don't plan anything. <laughs> absolutely not. Kevin and Fangs should have gotten married. Yeah. And Fangs should have, or Kevin should have left after that. Because then it becomes an actual complex argument. Yeah. Where he is essential, like, and he could have left Fangs still before the baby was born. Yeah. But there's still that legal contract in place. Yeah. The, which means the only thing they can rely on is, like, serpent stuff, which we have said long before this started, the serpents aren't a gang. Like, at least these, the ones we're seeing aren't. And so the lawyer asks, have you thought about retiring from the serpents? Fangs obviously says no. Tony says she doesn't know. Because and then Tony says they're rebranding as a political activist group. Now, we're rebranding from a biker gang to a political activist group. I'm like, well, first you were an indigenous gang. And then in between those, you were truckers. And also... What are you doing as a gang? <laughs> the ser- what are you fighting for? The serpents are... A countrywide, we at least know two locations. Yep. This is like saying, well, this chapter of the Hells Angels is actually a nonprofit. But don't like, the, like Hells Angels can have kids and aren't Hells Angels known to be like. Kind of. It's, 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 it's weird. But like that, that's the best example that I could give up is like, it's the idea of being like, well, I know they're a gang, but we have the same name as that gang or a chapter of that gang, but we're actually not that. Also. Why do you guys need to be a gang? Like, I know your identity is being serpents. They're your family. They're your community, yeah. which I get. But you're not doing gang things. Yeah, we're not seeing any racketeering. We're not seeing any extortion. We're not even seeing, like, protect. We're not even seeing, like, the good things a gang could do, like protecting your neighborhood. You don't give a hell about the union workers over no. there. You're not protecting them from the people who are exploiting them. What are you doing? doing what do the serpents stand for other than community for each other which yeah so like what it's just so confusing because this goes right into fangs and tony talking um and i guess actually at this point i'm down with the gang thing because fangs is just like i want to make sure we're getting married for the right reason which and- tony kind of just gives the whole grift away yeah well she's says well we need it for stability and so that we you know, I'm just going to say, you can be a very long-term couple, never get married, and have lots of stability for your kids. Yeah. And then she says, and appearing as a family. I mean, I understand. Like, the idea is totally they're, they're doing it for court stuff. Which she should just tell him. I think it, she almost does in this moment. Like, her whole thing last episode where she's, like, hiding it is when she sort of tells him the whole thing. But he's like, I want to make sure it's for the right reason. So. And then when she says it's so that the child has family, he goes, yeah, family like the serpents. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I hate every character this episode. I All know. of their arguments are dumb. Uh, so this is where we get that scene with uh, Forsyth the Fantastic doing a bachelorette party. Reggie heckles. And I don't understand how Jughead gets fooled by it. Because Jughead is not watching, is not hearing Reggie's voice. He's reading his thoughts. And, like, <laughs> he is wearing a blindfold, so it's not like he's seeing Reggie's lips we, not move and being the, confused. I kind of want to go through this entire arc thing now that yeah. what he's doing. Because this makes no sense for what Percival is doing. So Percival, he's there. He does some mind nonsense. Later, he's like, I need a talisman and, like, Jughead's beanie and I dress up as him. Yeah, when I – so Percival's trying to sneak into his mind and get into his hidden room. He goes to a door. Yeah. And it turns out – the door is what stops Jughead from reading 
everybody's thoughts at once, which means he only reads the thoughts he wants to read, which means how does he hear Reggie? He's not trying to read Reggie's thoughts. Exactly. Like the, the entire point of this is that you are taking away Jughead's ability to filter thoughts. And yet in this moment, a thought forces his way into his brain, which is why if Reggie was going to distract Jughead, Percival should have taught him how to do something physical that made him focus on one of his other senses. Or he should have had him teach him how to worm his thoughts into, like, force the thought into Jughead's mind. Yeah. But here's the thing. The second time uh, Percival does this, one, Percival's not in the same room as Jughead anymore. Nope. And two, Reggie doesn't distract him. And three, Percival does a magic spell, which is what gets him in the head. Yeah, so, like... Everything changes between the first one we see and the second. This one I mean by laziness. Like, none of this makes sense for the magic system that they're doing. It doesn't even make sense for, like, a very loose magic system. No, they just wanted Percival to wear cool Jughead cosplay. Yeah, and then so he opens this door, but, like, the thing is that what we, we talked about this earlier. We assumed Jughead had figured out how to only read the thoughts he wants to read. Yeah. We just assumed, I guess, that's an off-screen thing. But if you're going to have this happen, we needed us. We needed an episode where Jughead trained himself to create that door. Exactly. Which means when when Percival's like trying to open the door, we understand the stakes. And then we understand why Percival dresses as Jughead. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. He's like, also, I can't know I'm an intruder. But the first time he walks up to the door and it just doesn't let him open it. I mean, and there's then- a sign on the door that says "Keep out." That means you, Percival. I don't think I think it just means that means you. No, it said Percival. Oh, and man. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> uh, but like it's it doesn't make any nothing in this makes any sense. Like it's a it's an interesting concept that he's going to open his mind up to a psychic deluge, but it wasn't set up that that could that could be a problem for him. And it would be fine if Jughead didn't know it was a problem, but Percival I don't know, figured it out. I don't know. Like, like it would have been nice if that was something that Jughead got over and now he has to deal with it again because then it kind of comes full circle and it's set up and it's like a thing that we know that we've seen that door before. But instead, this is just all new things that they just made up part of the way. And then Archie does a dumb newsy speech about how Percival <laughs> doesn't respect his workers and also the workers deserve to live in a fair town. But, but when we per- asked Percival, he said no. Moving on. <laughs> Betty asks Charles if he always knew he was evil and then... <laughs> he tells a story about how uh, in the okay. Sisters of Quiet Mercy, he caught a possum in a trap. Kate, he caught a possum in a trap. The possum is in a trap. Yeah, and then he did textbook killers, serial killer stuff. Then he goes, it's like you do with caramel. No, those are different things. Now, did he catch the possum in a trap so he could have a possum to kill? It might be that a possum was caught in a trap and he found the possum. But then if he found the possum in the trap, the possum is already going to die. Maybe. So then killing the... Like, this is what we talked about last time with the the, the play I saw in the trapper and... Yeah, that, like, <sighs> it's it's just... It's supposed to be so we can draw this weird parallel and him specifically being like, like you with caramel. Um... I just don't think it should have been a right. possum in a trap. Now, now he says, he says, if I, I feel like if I had gone back in time and change it and not, and just like let that possum go, and I think maybe then it would have just died. Like it's unclear. Like here's in caramel, we made it very clear to us caramel was I mean, dying. Like, Could have been a lie. Here's the thing. I, I get it. 
it could have been a lie that Hal said, okay, but, but Betty it, did go in her brain to remember it. And Hal, if it is a lie, Hal still did convince a little girl that her cat was dying and, she had and a, the only way to save it was to help it die. Versus Charles, who apparently found a possum, like let's say he just found it, found a possum in a trap and went, I want to kill that thing. And like it, it is implied that he like kind of tortured the possum. Yeah. Um. But he says if I went back in time and changed it, my shadow self wouldn't be there. And I was like, oh my god, Betty's gonna go to Tabitha and change the past. Remember the joke we made? But didn't, she... <laughs> didn't Betty already? Go... No, she just went in her brain and <laughs> told her young self not to do it, which uh, counted. And then until it didn't count, I thought she was actually gonna go to Tabitha. Be like, Tabitha, <laughs> we gotta go back in time so I can stop my young self from hitting a cat with a rock meanwhile kevin <laughs> does like arguably a pretty crappy thing He's, he is sitting directly across from fangs at lunch i believe that this is percival told him to do this right it has to be <laughs> he's just showing pictures of anthony to another guy and is like that's my son he, he looks, looks just like me that's my boy <laughs> Like, he's literally, like, two feet away from Fangs. And Fangs rightfully brings up, no, Kevin, you you left without even thinking. You left before he was born. Yeah. You did not, he was not actually a thought in your brain. And then you didn't hang out with him until we brought him to you to keep him safe from the ghoulies. We mentioned that last episode, he, or not last, last season, he just left. Yeah. Like, we mentioned that it was weird that that was never a thought process in his head or anyone else's head, that he had just abandoned his child and said we were all about, but he left fangs. I'm like, you agreed? You, yeah, you have a kid. Yeah. Mm. All right, so we get a quick scene where Cheryl holds her breath. It's actually quite tense. Honestly, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and like, you know, she knocks over some books, but she does get the Necronomicon. <laughs> it looks like the Necronomicon. Meanwhile, Veronica is going to use her own body to siphon the poison out of the wormwood. No, no, number one, I I think that's the problem is that there's always a little bit of it in the absinthe. And two, I thought, I thought she was going to eat it like those cats or that eat the, the, the coffee beans and uh, poop it out. I thought she was going to chew it up and then spit it into like a Coke <laughs> bottle like, you know, those guys do with because, their spit. if I may, that makes more sense for her power. Instead, yeah. she just holds it in her hands and I guess sucks the uh, Thujons out of it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Betty th is ranting to Archie about her life. Yeah. And, and I know we're time, but I cannot skip past that she brings up this thing that Drake apparently said. There's an idea that maybe moral corruption can lead to body corruption. And I'm like, no, no, no. We are not going from your weird eugenics-ish biological existentialism to some nonsense where if you are sick, it's because you're a bad person. Like, we're not doing that. How does the show not realize they're making these kind of arguments over and over and over again? Oh, you got leukemia? Well, guess you should have been a more moral person, sicko. Like, what? And even not, like, this is what... This is what racists use. Also, the Betty's racist. The only characters who have been sick on this show are Charles and Hiram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, they're literally the only characters who have had illnesses. Yeah. Well, I guess they should have been better people. Oh my. God. Okay, but then the scene is interrupted because Betty <laughs> sees her mom very ominously 
holding a pillow in her bedroom, which you will remember is directly across from Archie's. Yeah. I th- I thought this was going to reveal that she was just like doing you know the, the, the trip up where it's like oh I'm actually just fucking this him pillow, a nice pillow. No, she runs over and it is that she's deciding to suffocate Charles because Alice said this is what he wanted. Oh, it's but. a mercy killing. Get it? Get it? It's a metaphor because Charles mercy killed a possum and Betty mercy killed a cat. So Alice is going to. Mercy killed Charles. And she might not regret it now, but she'll regret it. Blah. I get. Blah, I get blah, it. I get blah, it. Blah blah blah. I get. It, I get. It. This is weirdly intercut with, with Tony just screaming at Bangs for having that fight while Anthony cries in the background. And I'm like, I I don't think we're going to get Tony learning that Kevin wanted joint custody. Um. Also, this scene made me a little <laughs> uncomfortable and made me kind of feel like maybe that baby should go with Kevin. <laughs> The, uh, to- I this scene made me remember that Tony has like never talked to Kevin. They work together. They work. Yeah, they see the, each other every day. Day, and yet we only ever see interactions between Kevin and Fangs. Because I guess because they're because they're the dads, you know. I don't, I don't know. Like, like it's weird that she has a no. Like she did. No, me wrong. She did. We remember at the beginning she did go up to Kevin, yeah. but like. She has chosen no long. I guess she thinks it's a bad idea to talk to him. Which, to be fair, there are lawyers involved. Now, yeah, so she yeah. may not be wrong. I, yeah, but like, it's, I don't know, it just feels weird. So uh, here's a short scene where Heather loves the Necronomicon, and also she calls Cheryl a witch, and that is the scene. I think Heather's bad. She's very into the Malafair, Malafair, yeah. and Necronomicon. Uh, okay, Percival's. This Percival. We already did the Percival's and Chuck itself. We don't need to do that anymore. So here's another scene with Moose being awesome. Yeah, Moose is like, kind okay, of. Do you actually know who Anthony's dad is? Because again, Moose thinks this whole thing is weird and yeah. is like trying to dig in. Yeah, but uh, Kevin is, you know, hell bent on. He's like, oh, are you hell bent on soul custody if you're ruining friendships? Well, essentially, Kevin is tearing his world down. Yeah, and it's right for a boyfriend to be like, I gotta understand why you're destroying your world. So he wonders, like, like. Are you because they don't know who's the father? They did the yeah. whole thing because they didn't want like when they reveal like they didn't want to be like one of them maybe might feel worse. But he wonders like, hey, are you afraid that you're not his biological father? I just stress, even if he's biological father, he's not his father. And I think Moose is like trying to kindly point this out to Kevin. Maybe things are revealed about Moose this episode. Oh. Things are not revealed. The show makes no sense. Confusing thoughts are revealed about Moose's episode. Uh, we get another uh, thing where Percival calls Archie about, well, maybe you should work for me because we really need you here. A worker lost a foot. The crew is so distracted by you talking about unions that they can't work safely anymore. I just think you should back off or more workers will get hurt. Um, It seems to me that if more workers get hurt, that these union guys who knows what the union does will probably want the union back, except for they probably won't, because apparently Riverdale people are f***ing idiots. Betty thinks she has a way to help Charles. I don't care. It's it's terminal. Who cares? So Cheryl found some letters. Well, Heather found some letters, and Cheryl found some letters between her great-uncle... Braden Blossom and great grandfather Paxton Pickens, Uh. other people. Um, 
that was about the miner strike in 1949 because ah uh, yes there's always a mine in this town now now there's always a mine well i like how there's no trail on percival pickens except for all the people he's related to so percival cosplays his jughead goes into his brain goes into his brain and then the door is open and suddenly jughead can hear everyone's thoughts and the show but not veronica's can't hear Veronica's thoughts. Weird. And also, well, she has no thoughts. <laughs> also, the show has forgotten the Ver- that Jughead can't hear words. Yeah. Because he's in her office. He's freaking out because his brain's being overwhelmed. Yeah. And she says things to him. And he is able to pick her this, voice out of that and respond to her. This is what I mean by, like, he shouldn't. Like, he's not getting extra thoughts from her. He's only getting her her surface level thoughts is what I was getting there. But you're right. It does just sort of come off like he can hear her. And he like he should she should be saying things to him and he should just be like glazed over and confused. And just to be clear, this scene is unnecessary. He just says, I can hear everyone's thoughts. And I'm like, I know you can hear everyone's thoughts. So instead he just runs off like he should, except for he goes to a diner. Yeah. And then it's very bad there. (laughs) So he leaves again. So dumb. Uh, hey, we get to see Britta in the middle here. So I was wondering who was looking after baby Anthony now that both Fangs and uh, Tony have full-time jobs and there's no way this town has a daycare. Aaron, how, how, Britta's still in school, is she not? This is also a weekend. Okay. Although I don't. It is Saturday, yeah. I don't know where Fangs or Tony are that they need a babysitter. Yeah, so well, Britta's babysitting Anthony, but she babysat hey, him all day. But hey, his pacifier's missing, and it went missing right after Mister Keller came by because he comes by to play with him on Saturdays. Which to Britta makes sense because she knew that they were a couple. And- yeah, she's like, that makes sense. That makes total sense. But but Tony, Tony, <laughs> Tony gets very angry. But we can't dwell on that for now. Yeah. Because first, Veronica is going to dialysis Charles and take all that poison out of his blood if he wants this, it. This is why they had to be very vague on what his problem is. Like leukemia, sepsis, who knows what it is. It is just blood poisoning. Now, yep. I also thought they did that so that Betty can be like, well, they don't know what's wrong with him. But what's wrong with him is that he's evil. Uh, but so she's like, so Betty's like, hey, you want to get fixed? And he's like, I do, because I'm scared of. It turns out I'm not <laughs> at peace. I'm, I'm scared. T- I'm terrified. It's, I'm going to hell. Bad and I'm like, you're still going to hell. <laughs> um, also, he just accepts magic is real. Sure. Why not? So speaking of people going to hell, Tony responds to uh, Kevin stealing the pacifier in a totally normal way. Yep, she kicks open a door and punches him with brass knuckles. In front of Moose. Like, Jesus, Tony. Tony, Like, this feels like this should be a breaking point for her. But this is, like, don't get me wrong. The thing that Kevin did is scummy. But her reaction to it is insane. Yep. Like, she's not the good guy. She 
kicks open a door, gets, and the show is like, yeah, hard rock music. Tony's got, get girl boss. Boy. Beat up that boy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Tony, are you afraid that Kevin might be the biological father? Because it seems like, yes. Because that seems like the, your problem here is that you are terrified that the baby might be, might be biological. Not that it might be fangs. Nope. Like, even if it is, that still shouldn't, that's still not, not enough of an excuse. Well, and then For, like, them to take the kid away from you, I should and say. And then if she tells him, she tells him that if he comes within, like, 10 meters or feet or whatever. She's going to kill him. She's going to kill him. And she does this in front of Moose. Yeah, like, this, this, this should completely obliterate any chance they have. She, she threatened the life, his life. Yeah. He can get a restraining order against her because... She hit him with brass knuckles. Twice. Like, Tony, you have not talked to Kevin since this whole thing started. I'm like, is it going to reveal that that he wanted joint custody? Because that feels very important in this moment. And he has not been escalating his assaults on them. Like, yeah, it would like he the stuff he does is pretty scummy, but not scummy enough. Also, you should threaten his life. Yeah. So she freaks out, then Jughead freaks out, and then Tabitha, and then a much calmer scene, Tabitha and Archie talk about Sal, and they offer to help with medical expenses, because, you know, you guys don't have union health care. And then they do say, when they called the hospital, they asked if Percival had checked in. And he had not. And then he's like, this is not a good job. I'm like, yes, everyone agrees. Everyone has always agreed. There's been no point where anybody seems... To disagree. They only thought it was a good job for that brief period of time last episode when it was more money. It feels like you guys just didn't do a vote. Just do the vote. But instead, he's like, I'm going to read some words from Percival's great-grandfather that he wrote after a minor strike. And the letter's just like, yo, these dudes suck and they're worse than mules. Yeah, donkeys are better <laughs> than men. In fact, it's like, wait, Percival's great Percival. Percival's great-grandfather wrote that? And I'm like, what is happening? We know Percival's, you know Percival's bad. What is going on? You told Tony that the reason you took the job was you were going to use baby Anthony as your talisman. What is, what is, you, like, nobody says it's a good job. Nobody ever says it's a good job. Even Percival says it's a bad job. Like, everybody, it's a child's version of, like, union disputes. What is happening? And I'm just going to say, I don't understand why it has to be this way, except that I understand that Percival only likes to cause chaos. Like, he could have, if, if he just like. He's a magic man. Couldn't he just pay them really well to build his railway fast? Yeah, isn't the point to get the railway built? Like, so why is he like just, punking his employees yeah. with an unsafe workspace? Well, like, well, I got to get the railroad built, but obviously I have to do it in the most evil way possible. Why? That doesn't matter. You want the railroad built. I guess he is the incarnation of evil, and he's those deep thoughts you have in yourself. But also, he has goals. Like, this thing, he does have goals. He's, we're not talking about, about, uh, evil, um, Coop from, like, Twin Peaks. I know that's a weird reference. (laughs) But, like, this is someone who's supposed to be evil for the point of being evil. He does actually have, and he actually does have wants or and no no he has needs he actually does have needs yeah he needs to build that ghost train yeah and like isn't it more interesting if he is a villain who will always do the most evil thing possible 
which means that sometimes he's not cartoonishly evil. Well, the entire... Like, could he do good things to achieve his evil end goals? Well, the thing is, like, that makes him a lot more... That makes him a lot more formidable for this town. For, like, if Ar- when Archie and Jughead and Betty, like, oh, he's evil, but no one else knows he's evil. Like, that's interesting. But when he is just cartoonishly evil to a hilarious extent, you no longer feel like... Oh, you guys are you guys are seen as the evil ones. I don't know. So meanwhile, Cheryl confesses to Heather that the library was a ruse. And Heather decides she wants to stick around because I think Heather's evil. Meanwhile, it's a bad night in the Fogarty Topaz household. Now, we, we didn't mention when Tony did go to uh Kevin's, she did throw on her jacket. Yeah, she did. She does on her jacket and brass knuckles, and she has the pacifier now, and Fangs comes on home. And he's like, ooh, so we're doing no rebranding. And she's like, we well, can't yeah. rebrand. We can't be weak. We can't no brand. Denying who we are is a sign of weakness. I'm like, okay, cool. So what does your gang do? What Do you just want to hit people? Are you going to kill Kevin? Like, because that makes you bad people, not a gang. Like, what do what do you do? What what do you do? And then the scene gets grosser because Tony tells Fangs that as baby Anthony's father, he gets to choose Anthony's serpent name. I didn't realize that was a thing. Because Tony doesn't have a serpent That's name. That's why I'm he was like, wait, does Tony have a serpent? Because I understand. Here's the thing I also say about Fangs. They they real they talk about Fangs so much. I thought Fangs was just like he was named Fangs. Yeah, he. Now, what now, is now, his name? Now, su- Sweet Pea and Tall Boy. I'm like, yeah, those are clearly gang names. But I didn't realize they were like a weird thing you get as a child. Like, you will be Tall Boy. Better hope you get tall. <laughs> Otherwise, it's ironic. <laughs> get it? Yeah, that makes why that does explain why one of them's called Sweet Pea, though. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a name you get as a three year old. But like. Well, I mean, I guess Jughead joined the gang as a teenager. Why uh, why doesn't Tony have a gang name? Jughead is his gang name. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, his name is Forsyth. FP's gang name is FP. (laughs) Okay, so the Joneses have bad gang names. I mean, they're not great. Tony doesn't have a gang. Maybe the girls. Well, no, no. Her name is Antonia. Her gang name is Tony. That's because her grandfather was like, no. No, 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 this is a weird, this was not a thing the serpents ever did. This what is not is, the point of the serpents, what guys. What is happening? Do you think the serpents were indigenous gang and, like, a normal gang and they got, like, assimilated by... A biker gang? Yeah. Maybe. It, that makes sense why there's a Toledo serpents. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like there was some gang warfare and they were like, look, instead of fighting, we'll just join. It's fine. Now, because everything has to be gross... Apparently, this whole thing of stealing the pacifier was Percival's idea because Kevin can't ever act on his own for very reasonable, like, motivations. I also want to point out that Moose will be there for this entire scene hazily in the background. Well, and then he'll also be there when Archie and them talk about now there's a union. Moose is now just part of the gang, I guess. This is why I'm like, wait, was he a was he part of the gang? Or not the gang. Was he part of Percival's thing before? Is this another situation where, like, they, oh my God. Where, where a cult used Kevin's relationships to, to get him to join the cult? 
No, I have to believe that Moose gets mind controlled during this scene. But he's like, when because Perci- he's made reasonable arguments beforehand. <laughs> yeah, when Percival, oh, but maybe there are reasonable arguments in Percival's direction. But why would why would a mind controlled Moose be like, Kevin? Why are you pursuing this? Well, because he want he wants to make sure that Kevin knows why he's pursuing this, which is to get the baby. Uh, oh yeah. Because also this baby, this baby, this baby is Riverdale's greatest hope. He represents the future, but Percival also I'm... wants to represent the future. And there can only be one. And I'm like, are you are you gonna quickening the baby? Are, is you, this, gonna, is, are you cutting off the baby's head? Is Anthony the only baby in Riverdale? That's really what it's applying. Is there's one baby in Riverdale, and that's Anthony. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We're back to a very small town. A very very small town. Um, we will also find in the scene that Fangs is the father of Anthony. No, that could, be, it a could be a lie. It could be a lie. Percival says but it. This show is so against people lying like that. Like, remember once again the cult being like, "You got this genetic thing," even yeah. though that clearly should be a lie. Speaking of that weird genetic thing, Charles is feeling better. He I is really, healed. I really want to know how Veronica did it. We do kind of get implied later that they just did a full like blood infusion. Yeah, they just cycled his blood through they her just, body. Yeah, they just used her like a machine. <laughs> um, where is he gonna go Back now? Back to jail. Uh, Betty confesses to him that she doesn't really know if he deserved to be stayed, saved, but she did it for her mom and also for herself because she's not ready to give up on herself and she needs to focus on the present. I need to get a moment here where this has nothing to do with, remember the whole thing where she was like, oh, moral? Oh, yeah. So I have a question. Her deciding, actually, you did deserve to be saved because of me. I'm like, do do you think you're God? (laughs) Like, if you believe that moral, if you brought up this whole thing where more, he was being punished for his, like, for the evil things he did, and you have decided that you can take away this punishment because you decided it's worth it, do you think you're God? <laughs> Betty, 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 what's going on? <laughs> this is... Luckily... Just, none, not just the point I want to point out is just none of their theming works. Like, they're trying to do, like, themes... Which is why I want to. Which is why yeah. I brought up the whole like, sacri- like mercy yeah. killing. They clearly want to do themes, but none of them work. Well, they also don't want us to interrogate this because Charles will reveal that he knows how to trap a TBK. Is it to use Betty as bait? Is it to use Betty as bait? Because that's that's how you do it. You use Betty as bait because yeah. he, he is obsessed with Betty. It will be that. Yeah, but in a very weird way. But first, um, our dumb Percival <laughs> gang, which is Percival and Frank and Kevin and now Moose, Moose which nothing has hurt my heart more Okay, maybe Reggie joining Percival's gang. Also, yeah. Reggie should be there. Yeah, so, so they have Moose. Uh, I love now, Moose. Moose is just there to support Kevin. But Archie's <sighs> like, hey, your workers quit. They're going to strike. Well, guess what? I'm the union rep, and the crew is on strike. And I just want to say this one more time, and then we'll get past it. Percival can control minds. Yeah. The three people behind him are people that he has controlled their minds. Okay, but Kevin, this could actually be very, very clever. Because Archie's the one who gets to interact with him. Yes. And he has a tether. Yes. Now, if they had told us that. If we knew that that was the plan, and I think also they don't realize that's a very good plan. If this was just... 
this is just us like retroactively giving them like, hey, that actually does work by being like, you can only talk to me and I know how to beat your mind control thing. And also I'm immune to palladium now. Guess what? Bam. Bam. Real strike. Archie's the strike leader. Yeah. He just has to make sure none of them ever talk to Percival. And then Percival's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm the face of what's coming. You haven't seen a real war, but you're going to see. Shut up. Yeah, something about the future. I don't know. Uh, so Betty goes to Veronica. They kind of talk a little bit about Charles and drink Betty absinthe. Betty really thanks Veronica for taking on that contaminated blood. I do like that the show has remembered their friends. Yeah, it's good. Um, but the scene is dumb. Yeah, um, and like, as I said, the themes get a little bit weird here. But what Betty wants, she wants to throw a special event. And Veronica's like a Comic-Con, which is a weird Veronica thing. Veronica gets really excited that they might do a Comic-Con. Like a Comic-Con? <laughs> like a Comic-Con? But no. She, now, she's going to say this in the weirdest way a human being has ever described a situation. She's like, I like, kind of like a Comic-Con, but it's a con for people who are fans. Of serial killers. I'm like, so a true crime convention. Like a true crime convention? It's yeah. a true crime convention. That's what you're doing. And yes, it will bring out <laughs> TBK. Great work. Because Betty's going to be like, I am the, the 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 guest of honor. I'm the keynote speaker. This is terrible. Just, yeah. just let him know where Betty is. Like, why do you have to bring a whole bunch of weird, innocent people in on it? He's going to kill some of them. And then Betty's going to feel bad. No, she's no, she's not going to feel bad, actually. I don't think they are. I think it's going to be like, oh, TBK, how dare you? Like, you said this all stuff in the future. Other things happen. So Tabitha comes home. Yep. And she. okay, so she calls out to Jughead saying, where are you? And I know those are her like surface level thoughts. Yeah. But his normally his brain would not be attuned to hear her surface level thoughts. Well, I thought it would be because I thought he could open up like a basic channel, but apparently no, that's but a so problem. But so would he always have a channel open just for Tabitha? Because she gets mad if he reads her thoughts without permission. I, that's the thing, like that, this one storyline has made, we thought we understood these powers, and then they're like, no, you don't. Nothing makes sense. So anyway, she comes home and he has left her a note saying that this horrible thing has happened. So he's gone somewhere essentially to meditate. Aaron, they still have this location. I thought they tore it down. I thought it was gone. They got rid like they got rid of other locations. They still have this one. He went to the sex bunker. And in the sex bunker, his meditation is so, so good until he starts to hear... The lines from Rivervale. <laughs> yeah, apparently now Jughead can hear other dimensions that are supposed to no longer exist. Or be very, very separated. Oh, no, wait. Was that how it ended? Did it end with them no longer existing? No, or they're just forever with... separated because Jughead in Rivervale. He's writing a He's writing Yeah, a, he's a powering cycle. that universe by writing a story forever. Yeah, just a pull, full. So it does exist alongside. But then how could they combine? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then as the Riverdale title comes up, the D flicks to a V, because remember that whole thing? That was a five-episode um, special season? No, it was actually... That was a lie. It was actually very important. They actually 100% lied to what's going to on. It's It was not a special event. It was just part of the season. 
which like there's a part of me that's like ooh, i like that because it's kind of like a like you didn't expect this except for they started doing it immediately so we kind of always expected it yeah it just meant while we were watching it it we didn't know we had to pay that much attention because they lied to us anyway i'm gonna go take a nap uh let's hit the music and we'll come back Hey, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, uh, what you got going on? What's, what's, what's going on? You find yourself a CW moment this episode? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic forgot what its actual superpower was and just started doing witchcraft? Yeah. Yeah, that so, one. So, I did find one. Okay. And it was the thing I hoped we would not talk about. And we <laughs> did. Because how could you not talk about everything that happened in this episode? Yeah. Um... Drake wanting to join Veronica's <laughs> absence business. Why? You have a good job. You <laughs> She doesn't she will not contribute anything to the business. No. Not finances, who... not knowledge. You don't nothing. Know, you don't even know who Veronica is. You just want in on it. And also she's not doing anything illegal. So this isn't like a oh, she's actually a corrupt former ATF agent. It's just someone's like Oh, that seems like a good idea, it I seems think. Like, <laughs> it seems like you're just, just making absinthe. Like, there's nothing different about it, but yeah, I want to be in it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I I almost, like, this is, it's going to be very broad. It's going to be incredibly broad. It is every single time Archie gives an inspiring speech to the union workers about joining the union. And the reason I say that goes, that's drama, not logic, is because at no point does anyone say, no, I don't want to do this. He just seems to be, he's hes literally preaching to the choir. Yep. They constantly seem to want it. They're all convinced. They're always, they're convinced in the first episode, or not the first episode, the first talk, and then someone loses a leg, and then they seem really convinced, and then he reads them a letter, and they're just more convinced. At no point are they ever not convinced. <laughs> just hold a vote. You know... I kind of wish this had gone the Riverdale route and he had just sung, sung a song from Newsies. <laughs> I know it's a Disney property. I know it's probably very expensive. But, like, if you're going to give me this nonsense, give me some dancing boys. <laughs> you gotta, he just sings Mad World again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, there, it, <sighs> that's what I mean by, like, if that stuff had been set up earlier of people, like, like if we had heard a lot about Tony... And uh, Fangs being like, oh, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have money. Oh, how are we supposed to afford a, afford a lawyer? We don't have any money. Oh, we have this. Like, Even one single line where Fangs was like, we need extra if, income because if, of a lawyer. If when, I mean, he does mention that. Like, he does, he does mention, hey, we need this so we can do the lawyer. But, like, the thing is, we need it so much for what he is going through. Like, the stakes need to be so high to make sense why he might be like, but if we if we mess this up, we don't have a job at all. Uh, like when he when he used the money, the like the signing bonus to buy a car. Yeah. Tony should have been like, "Fangs, we needed that money." Like that should have been him being like, "Yeah." If, if we had extra money, we could have put it towards the lawyer. And he and then he he could be like, "But but by having like this van, doesn't that seem like we're more of a like a family thing?" Like you could have you could have really shown it off there but instead it come it kind of comes out of nowhere we get a lot of payoff to something that happens you, you know what this show feels like so you know how um with writing mm-hmm. you can be a planner or a pantser yeah you can be an architect or a gardener yeah 
this show feels like it is purely written by pantsers and gardeners who don't bought like who just let the storyline take them where they will. But they're and they so... don't go back afterwards to lay the seeds for what's going to come later. Yeah, it, it, it does. Hey, we have heard sometimes they get the they get the, the scripts the day of filming. Yeah. Like the and the thing is that these are people who who love doing that, which is a fine way of writing, but they're obsessed with time. Like they're obsessed with the past and history. So yes. they constantly are writing stories, but like, oh, and my great grandfather and your great grandfather and our past and like our family lines were these these feuds. And then like, but you that takes a certain like you have to think about things when you do those kind of stories. Well, and often when you are like because I'm a pantsing writer. Yeah. And I will write things that will be like, oh, I didn't realize as I was writing, I was implying this thing all along. So now it's going to happen. Yeah. It's like they write and they're like, it would be fun if this happened for drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like the seeds were not laid. Yeah. Yeah. No, they weren't. And now the magic system's all weird and messed up. So we'll have to deal with that. So audience, you got some time to think. Tell us what you think of the magic system. Does it make sense? Should Percival want that baby? Are there other babies in Riverdale? No, there's no other babies in Riverdale. No, there's not. But you tell us, Apple. Po- mm. yeah. Tell us. We're on the social medias, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. I'm not sure it's called. I, this is called Apple Podcast now. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and you should use that to give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Uh, you also check out my books. They're available at KevinWeirdBooks.com. And I'm over at FlimsyPlan.com. Oh. And June of 2022 is when I get serious about my online presence as an influencer. So uh, have fun with that. Cool. Will Veronica's absinthe business succeed? Can Tony and Fangs keep Anthony? Why does Percival want that baby? For answers to all this and more, join us next time on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>